Hey up friends, how's it going? It's Matt, you're listening to the Looking Sideways Action Sports Podcast. We're on episode 90, blimey, not long now until episode 100. I'd better pull my finger out and start working out a guest for that one, eh? Anyway, for this episode, I've got a really lovely, ruminative conversation with snowboarder and filmmaker Elias L. Hart. Now, I first met Elias in Innsbruck in January 2019 when I was over there snowboarding and also getting ready for the veritable trial by fire that was the Burton Hub show. We were introduced by our mutual friend Birgit Gruber, hit it off and agreed that next time I was in town we'd sit down and record an episode of the podcast and that's exactly what happened in June 2019 when I was greeted by a very different scene indeed in Innsbruck actually. This time around instead of piles of snow, summer was in full bloom and with it a treacherous scene as all that snow had melted and swollen the river into Uh, Once in a hundred year levels, apparently, it flows right through the middle of the city and there was a funny vibe in Innsbruck, a semi-excited pre-apocalyptic air as everybody wondered whether the river would breach its banks and whether the frankly flimsy looking inflatable flood barriers would protect the old town. Spoiler alert, I think they did, but it was quite mad to see anyway. Anyway, I met with Elias just before I flew back to the UK. And we headed to his apartment overlooking Innsbruck to record this episode. And I was looking forward to it, partly because of that initial conversation in January. And also because I know from his work that, well, he's a very intelligent and thoughtful lad, as well as an amazing snowboarder, obviously. And the best evidence of both of these strands of his character and a film I highly recommend you watch before listening to this episode is his last project, Contradiction. Now, Contradiction, there's two Ds in that, by the way is what you might call a treatise on how to reconcile the essential uselessness of the snowboarding lifestyle, especially if you've spent your life dedicated to it as a professional, like Elias and peers such as Gigi Ruff and Arta Longo, who also appear in the film, have done. Now, naturally, the snowboarding is amazing. The cinematography is also intriguing, mainly because it doesn't use the same perspective and angles we've all seen a million times before. But above all, contradictions actually got a point of view it's got an opinion and a perspective above and beyond woohoo snowboarding's great well above and beyond most action sports films actually basically i very much recommend it if you're looking for a counterpoint to 99.9 percent of the films that get banged out these days so we discussed that and we also discussed his latest project which saw him spend five weeks this winter in kosovo exploring that scene and looking into what that very particular area says about snowboarding in particular, and indeed life in Europe in general in the year 2019. As you might be gathering, Elias has got a lot of very interesting thoughts about snowboarding, and also about how activities like this link to self-awareness, and perhaps how there might be something a little bit more to this whole business than just simply sliding sideways, and that it might, as a professional, behove him to use his platform to investigate this possibility. In this, he takes his place alongside peers such as Christian Haller, Jerome Tannon, David Benedict, who are also exploring similar themes in their own work. Now, obviously for some listeners, this line of thought might be a little close to dinner at Pete and Bernie's philosophical steakhouse, if I can quote the great Alan Partridge. But as you might have gathered if you've listened to, well, any episodes of this podcast, this type of chit-chat is right up my boulevard. So I was really into this one. Great chat, great uh, perspective from Elias. And uh, yeah, hope you enjoy it. I'll be back at the end. 
But here it is, my conversation with Elias Alhart, another dimension. Enjoy. How you doing? Good, yeah. Yeah? What's going on? Um, well, we just walked over uh, to my place. To your yeah. crazy place, which is in this. So you saying this like an old brewery? Yeah. Like yeah. the Adam Brow. Adam Brow, yeah. It used to be a brewery and now they built apartments here. And um, yeah, it's actually friends over there having uh, exhibitions in this other building. And that, that's how I knew it. And uh, I was looking for a long time for a new apartment or yeah. just to move in the city. I was always living outside the city okay. for a while. And uh, now I moved together with my girlfriend and we looked for a place and then this came up. Super unusual, like amazing views across the city. I really like the way it's obviously kind of like reclaimed industrial as well. Right. I mean, not the most visual medium, obviously a podcast, but there's this crazy old building outside, which is obviously part of the old brewing process maybe, which has yeah. been converted as well. And, you know, out the front, there's incredible views of the mountains. Yeah, nice spot. You yeah. must be stoked. No, I'm super happy. And um, we moved in in November and then there was a season. So we didn't really settle in all that long. And, and now it's nice that the season has ended and I really got time. See, like I'm still trying to organize the whole space. And Yeah, 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 nice. yeah. And handy for the train station, like literally oh, yeah. 30 seconds away. That is the best part. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. You, can, yeah. you can get out. When you need to. So right. how long have you lived in Innsbruck? Mm, maybe like eight years. Yeah. yeah. And so do you have a routine in the winter when you're here? Like do you have places that you kind of like to ride or is it is it just mm. generally see, see yeah. what's going on? It actually changed. The routine always is connected to whatever project you're working on. And, yeah. Um, because so much choice here as well, right? You know, you're just surrounded by so many amazing mountains and so totally. many options. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I filmed a lot with pirates many years and mostly I was filming with Gigi. Yeah. And Gigi lives on the other side of the Alberg tunnel, uh, close to Bregenz. Yeah. And so we would always meet at Alberg, you know, and that like really shaped the, the routine, what you refer to in, in some ways, like filming with Gigi and that was kind of our common ground where we met. Um, yeah. But it's still, you know, an hour 15 by car or one and a half hours by train. Um, so still quite some distance. And I think since two years, um, since Contradiction and also the, the Balkan project now, I, you know, wasn't bound to that anymore or yeah. restricted in some ways, to like, you know, finding a calm ground. So I've really explored more of the mountains here. And I think I'm mostly just been riding mountains within like 20, 30 uh, minutes of drive around Innsbruck, um, which was really nice. So it, it somehow changes the routine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a life to work really, isn't it? To explore this part of the Alps because just so much good terrain, so many places to to, to learn about you know yeah, yeah i guess you're never going to exhaust it are you really yeah um i mean it, it's always both right it's so beautiful to really getting to know something and really making it your backyard in some ways so i also like to just do that and really spend some time in some place yeah and then obviously it's also nice to like discover something new and and you know so so i like both and for me it's just been so amazing to have it so close, so yeah. nearby. You know, some days I was like, all right, today I really try to get things done, you know. 
And then I look out the window, as you can see, and then I was like, no way, I'm just going. Yeah. And then 20 minutes later, I was just like snowboarding. That is quite a distraction, especially yeah. when you've had the winter <laughs> yeah. with this much snow. You must be open that front door and be like, actually, I'm going to go up there. Yeah. Because uh, it looks pretty good today. Yeah. So you mentioned the Balkan project and you mentioned that you sometimes like to explore a particular area. Um, was that part of the appeal of that project then? Because we, we, we met in January and you yeah. were talking about, we just were having a beer in the bar and you were saying, oh, there's a place in Kosovo, right? Like there's a, it's a resort, right? Mm, right. And you were kind of stoked because it's a bit of an, un, it's weird in Europe, isn't it? Because everyone's so well known. So when you find these little pockets like this, that's really, because I was a bit like Kosovo, you know, like, okay, right. You just right. never even heard of it as a, as a ski or snowboard destination yeah. but obviously the old Yugoslavia actually has this big heritage of, of winter sports I mean the Olympics were there in what was this like 84 right um and you know we we were talking I've actually been lucky enough to do a little bit of exploring around the Balkans I've been to been riding in Serbia been riding in Slovenia which I guess counts um but Kosovo didn't really didn't really consider that so how did you hear about that place mm. Well, it's funny that you say it's, you know, it's so unknown in a sense. And I think that counts for more than just the snowboard scene. I mean, the, all of the Balkans are so close to Europe, really. So close. They're so close. Yeah. And Kosovo is as well. We drove down there. Yeah. Um, well, it's closer than Greece, which is obviously, yeah. you know, for Brits, for example, you know, like holiday destination. You know, everyone flies there every year or Turkey. But there's this exoticism, isn't there, to like the Balkans still, which which is, but it is just part of Europe. It's, it's I mean, it's to do with the history really as well, right. isn't it? Yeah. 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 And that is really why I was so interested in the region. I really wanted to just spend time there. I knew that there was some snowboarding. I didn't go down there to like find the greatest snowboarding. No. Well, you wouldn't go there for that, would you? No. no. It's the cultural and, and the, like you say, the, the things that come with it, right? Right. And snowboarding is just such a great access to like meet people and and be a part of their community so easily and that's really what i was looking for um and then i also went down um with my girlfriend in the summer like i guess a year ago and we just explored the places and, right and so you did a little recce yeah little, yeah exactly right. i just really wanted to come down with a good idea and you know who i could portray in some ways right like, while contradiction was a bit more like on like my friends and my own thoughts on almost like an, an internal yeah a bit more yeah and i knew that this was you know i was great to do like i was glad to do that project but then the next one i really wanted to focus more on a on a subject and so it's like people. an a, like an outward facing thing like yeah something. i'd say so okay right yeah i mean I'm, i really see myself more as like the vehicle to, yeah. to get there or to like maybe connect a few people and dots but I'm happy that now we found a really cool place there and, and the, the people that can tell their own story. So you had this idea for, for to find this project for a while by the sounds of it, to, to, to do something quite different from Contradiction where you focused on an, on a place or, or an area and, yeah. and tried to explore it a bit more thoroughly. Yeah. Um, well, I guess in comparison to what I was doing before Contradiction, it is still like much more similar yeah. to like contradiction to try and have a subject that you want to emphasize on and, and use snowboarding as a vehicle yeah. or as a kind of, kind of base to, to build, to build this story on. Yeah. 
and and so in that sense it was kind of similar i just knew that you know i didn't want to like go around my own thoughts you know an, another project or anything like and therefore i was happy to have this um idea with with the balkans and really just explore there and look for a good story there yeah that could be told so and what was the appeal of of the balkans then what what drew you to that part of europe yeah um well i i always look for uh, i guess stories that really naturally make sense with snowboarding you know snow in, in germany we have the, the saying i don't want to pull things by the hair you know right. to just you know you, you can try and squeeze some other th- aspects into like such a snowboard film but yeah. if it doesn't really fit it's really like it doesn't really work yeah you can't force it you can't force it and yeah. i think therefore i was really just looking for natural um places that could um could say more beyond the snowboarding yeah in an authentic way and in, in a good way and um for me what i also had in mind before you know now there is such a the rise of national nationalism really all over Europe. Yeah. And the, the the one thing we have with snowboarding is having such a strong common ground. Yeah. Really globally. It transcends those those kind of day to day um well not day to day, but like you say, an issue that's recurring like nationalism. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And in particular in Europe, you know very well. Well and also like it's interesting with the Balkans, isn't it? Because that's almost the first modern manifestation of this new form of nationalism, right? With the with the, the fall of the old Yugoslavia and yeah. how that territory then divided upon ethnic grounds and, and those territories fought for their own identity in a, in a very overtly nationalist way, right? Basically. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And that's why I thought it was so interesting to see where it's at now. Right, so that was, so that was where you were, that was the kind of, the, the idea behind it. That's yeah. really interesting. So what did you find? Um, yeah, and it's actually interesting. A lot of people would refer to the old Yugoslavia as a, as a construct as what we see the European Union being, you know. I mean, it was more of a country, but still it had its own units, you know, it had its own identities, but they really, I think a lot of people speak quite highly about it. I can only repeat what, you know, people said. Um, in a sense that they found a you know, come ground to like live in old Yugoslavia. And then there had been, you know, the breakdown of Yugoslavia yeah. um, after Tito's death. And, and you know, the, the national identities became so much more present and, and the differences that divided them became so, yeah, in, in a sense, instrumentalized as well and, yeah. and so much more important in some ways. And that, you know, led to a catastrophe after all. Yeah. And... Um, I think now it just is not all easy. It's still, you know, underlying conflicts and, you know, you see the flags of the different nations and everywhere and stuff. But I feel like I was looking for a positive story where people actually do meet and, you know, find common ground. Yeah. And that place, Brezovica, where we've been, is, is a good example for that where actually it was owned by Serbians. Um, and, you know, Kosovo as a region was split from uh, Serbia, from former Serbia. It yeah. was just as a region from Serbia. And then it, they, they kind of wanted their imp- independence as Kosovo Albanians. And so this place, this place, in, or like this ski resort had been really abundant for 
more than 20 years since that war because there hadn't been really like much security and yep. investment. And now it's slowly starting to come together again where, you know, they just work together, the Kosovo Albanians, the Serbians living there. Really? And so those ethnic tensions have started to relax enough that that you can have these kind of leisure activities that, yeah. that have obviously get quite quickly sidelined in an environment like that. Yeah. Right. That is really interesting. Yeah. So because, yeah, because that whole region, the history of it is basically, like you say, religious and ethnic territories kind of joined together by different, you know, originally like Habsburg Empire and then the Europe and then Yugoslavia and when they when they were removed then the, these tensions kind of come out right which and it wasn't that long ago either that's the no. thing it's only like 20 years ago 20 yeah. like yeah, really not long ago so it's take, yeah so it's taken that long for, for for the tension to dissipate to this point right where where people can are almost having normal lives again yeah um it is really you know a, a sensitive topic to talk about over there as well yeah i'm and, sure and in particular of course and it's hard to also make any assessments as you know an outsider but i can only say like the really the day-to-day -day experiences i've made with the people that i was hanging out with um and i could see that there is still and and what i hear from the news too is like that there is still some tension and sure. you know like they they come and go i guess but um there is also the drive forward and the wish to like you know, overcome that and just work on, they have so many other problems, really, um, economical project, uh, problems and, yeah. and, you know, healthcare, a lot of like on, on many levels. And so therefore I think a, a place such as Brezovica, you know, ski resort yet, yeah, it really is, isn't common and first on priority list. Yeah. On the other side, it's a place for, you know, that gives a certain hope jobs, you know hopes for prosperity in the region and so therefore that's how they can find common ground there yeah so i can see why you when you when you try to tell a story and and you know an original story or something that's not been told before in snowboarding it's a great great angle you know great yeah. thing to focus on yeah so how long were you there for uh i was there for five weeks altogether okay yeah. And um, was it just you or did you have um, filmers with you or how, yeah. did it, how did it work? Yeah, I was funny. Like, <laughs> so my girlfriend uh, was down there too. We both actually, uh, she got a job down What's there. What's her name? Isabel. Okay. Yeah, Isabel. She was, um, she was working for the um, foreign aid uh, for, for German government. Okay. Um, yeah, on the development of the region you know, only as a contractor, but it was great because then we both actually worked really close by, like she worked in Skopje in Macedonia. Yeah. And that's like one and a half hours drive from where, where I was based at. And so she would always come over or, you know, so that was nice. We were both the whole time there. And then filmer and photographer, you know, came uh, and, and well, Mainly photographer, it's Carlos Blanchard. Yeah. Very good friend and uh, great photographer. Yeah. And, and also, like, he's been the only photographer there and really an important part of the whole project. Okay. Also on a creative side, I really, like, just love having him a part of it. Yeah. So he's quite collaborative. Yeah. Yeah. All the pictures you see around him is mostly from Carlos. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He was an important part. And yeah. then Alex Tank, 
Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I I don't know him super well, but I've met him. Yeah, yeah he's involved yeah. in Contradiction as well, right? Yeah, he was involved in Contradiction. He's really helping out uh, at Contradiction, yeah. uh, filming and everywhere he could help. And I was really like stoked to team up for for this project. Um, he's a great filmer and an editor, and you know, on many levels, he was really contributing already yeah. and is now. So yeah. And did you have other riders coming out to? Or was it mainly just you? Uh, it was, well, it was the locals and yeah. myself and Marcus Keller was there yeah. at the start of the trip. But that was just because one trip, you, you know, we had a team trip in Albania and I basically drove down with Isabel and then did that team trip for a week in Albania. And then I just continued to Kosovo and Karsten, who was a filmer um, at the Nitro trip. Um, and... Um, Marcus Keller, they just continued with me to this new resort and spend a, a few days together there and, and then they went home and I just stayed. Right. And so is there a scene there? Is there like a, a, a local scene, like local snowboard scene or? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. would I would uh, say so. I mean, it's very different. It's, you know, very open. Yeah. You just, it's not like snowboard scene or or free ride you know we yeah, have a course. much more divided yeah, scene yeah. there's just like they're oh just like winter sports scene i guess stoked on it yeah yeah and and they just yeah get her in this place yeah and i guess they don't really get many people coming through to to kind of explore it so i'm sure you got a good reaction right yeah that, i mean that was the best part about it really um to spend this long in one place i guess after all it was yeah a bit over a month I really became a part of it in a sense that, you know, all the local, it really isn't that big at all. Yeah. And so I really got to know all the locals and it was, it was so nice and they, they were so welcoming. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. So I'm interested in the way that you approach these things because in contradiction, I've heard you talk about how, well, it sounded like it was, you had a pretty particular idea before you made that film. And it was something that was kind of quite well developed and, you know, you kind of knew what you were trying to convey. And then the film, when you put it together, you know, that was the process. Yeah. Was it, was it different in this case? We, did you have a, cause obviously you've explained you were looking for effectively a bit of a metaphor to explore, mm. but did you wait to see what unfolded as you were there? But was it, was it a different in that approach? Like you kind of went there to immerse yourself and then see what you could, what story you could tell. Uh, I think it was more open for sure than, than contradiction. Yeah. Although even contradiction, it, it may seem so set in stone now, but like it, a lot of changes were there also throughout the season. Yeah. Um, but still like there, I obviously couldn't know a lot of things while in contradiction, I did it with my best friends. Yeah. And, and you knew what you wanted to talk about as well. Exactly. Yeah. We, you know, we've talked about these things a hundred times before yeah. and it was easier to get right to the point and and you know those things were really helping while there i just knew the the protagonist that i wanted to focus on hamdi okay so who's that um well he's from there he's because of albanian and he really grew up in this resort and experienced it throughout its whole history or you know before the fall of yugoslavia as a prosperous resort really and he was one of the first ones to come back to it after the war and and built rebuilt it in a sense and it's really like yeah 
he really stands for Presovitzer in a sense. Okay. So, yeah. so he's a big part of it. He's a big part of it. Yeah. We really focused on, on him a lot. And he's a really good and passionate snowboarder. Right. And that just made him such a, yeah, perfect protagonist that, that could tell his story. Yeah. Yeah. So can you, have you got a way of explaining what it's about then? Do you know what it's about at this point, the film? Could um, you? Could yeah. Well, what we already kind of like framed, um, it's just in development still. It is a bit asking how you can, you know, leave maybe an, a history that weighs heavily behind and built something new and you know and what common ground you could find through our passion as well through winter sports through snowboarding what that can give and well the name i think there's gonna be narcissus 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 as in narcissism no but it is you know, it's, it's funny. It can be referred in many ways, I guess. But um, I think we're all pretty happy with that name. Yeah. Because once um, Hamdi actually said it in, in a conversation, he was like, you know, the analysis is one of the first flowers after the winter. Okay. Right. And then, uh, yeah, that's nice. Then yeah. again, that was a nice <laughs> image, you know. Yeah. Like, we don't want to lift this unnaturally like oh this resort is some sort of solution you know also it's very privileged people you know come there but still it is a it is a nice little you know place to discover and and portray really yeah and and that may be the angle that we want to take you know not not too heavily like not going into any topics we you know we we shouldn't take on but we're trying to like make a sincere story on this place and around Hamdi's history, how he lived through it and really make it a like visual journey as well. I mean, the, the, the crazy thing about it is like there used to be five lifts. Now there's two running sometimes. Right. So there's a lot of abandoned lifts and huge abandoned hotel, for instance, that's in the middle of the, of the village down there. And it's called Nasis right that huge hotel that okay. used to be um a five-star hotel and it just you know you you walk in there and it just carries so much weight yeah and so i think the idea is also to just let the images speak and you know it shouldn't be too tightly framed of what we want to say it really is like a certain mood we're gonna try to convey and uh, yeah what we expect experience there too and, and that was like a time travel in a sense too sure well i was going to ask you what what memories stand out then because i'm sure you know that kind of trip must there must be some great experiences yeah um so really the people yeah. i think that's without a doubt that that was the best part about it was just the warmth we were welcomed by like there's so amazing like i you know started shoveling a jump for instance in five minutes if that at all, you know, some people would just come up with shovels and, right. you know, started helping. And um, it was just so amazing. Yeah. Like just the way we were kind of integrated or people would invite us over for, um, you know, for lunch or even driving through the, you know, countryside. We were not only in the resort, when we drove through the countryside, we stopped in some place where a woman was cooking something. And it was apparently like their traditional 
uh, dish. Um, some sort of pancake that's like layered and layered over one another. So yeah. you have like a package of pancakes in some ways. So I, yeah, can't remember the name at the moment. Anyway, she was just there showing us and the kids were playing outside and then they gave us like a huge portion of it because they were so happy that we were kind of like there and interested and having a chat. And those experiences just added up throughout the trip and that was the best part. Yeah, we had a really exper similar experience went to Lebanon snowboarding years and years ago and it sounds really similar. We were um, trying to shoot a handrail like, and it was in front of this woman's house and she came out, she was like a woman, she was like, she's a bit like, you know, and obviously we just thought oh, we're going to get told off, you know, we're going to get kicked off yeah. and she was like, what are you doing? And we were like, oh, so, you know, how do you explain that? So we were like, she was like, you're playing, right? And we were like, yeah, yeah, we're playing. And then she was like, do you want some food? And we were like, uh, yeah, okay. And then, yeah, she cooked lunch for us. Brought yeah. us in. She was just an old woman that lived on her own. Took yeah. us into a house. Um, made us lunch. And we were like, okay, yeah, cool. Let's go for lunch, you know. Same thing. So many experiences like that. We built a jump. Again, to try and... So we were using the car to, like, drag people in to hit this hit this handrail. This guy drives past. He's like, what are you doing? We're like, oh, we try to do that. He's the same. He's like, oh, my car's faster. We'll use my car. He spent the whole day shuttling people, you know, it's, and so you kind of get immune to the fact that that doesn't really happen anymore in the West, right? Mm. Um, but that's the amazing part about when you travel to these places because they're just so hospitable and like you say, so stoked that you're there really, you know, that you're showing an interest. Mm. It's really rewarding, right? Yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> I get another story. When we drove through Albania, it was quite late in the night and we were on some pass. Um, and I was in the back uh, and, and Isabel was driving and then we passed by this guy. It was really in the middle of nowhere. We didn't even know how he got there. And he was, I don't know, waving. We didn't really understand what the signal was. And so we were like, all right, well... You know, we stopped, but um, a bit suspicious, like, okay, what's going on? Um, then we try to communicate about, like, yeah, it was hard because yeah, he was yeah. speaking English. Yeah, we're snowboarders. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what, what, okay. what he wanted. Yeah. And we just, like, said, oh, yeah, we want to go to Prizovica or, or to Kosovo. I guess at that, that point we were still in, in Albania, so we just wanted to, like, find the way there. And he like got in the car. He was like, oh yeah, 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 got in the car. And then it took us, I don't know, 15 minutes of driving and then calling his cousin who spoke a little bit of English to find out that he only got in the car to drive with us to like show us the way. Right. Yeah, I mean, amazing. Like, yeah, I'll just come with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see ya. <laughs> yeah. No, it's brilliant. Yeah. That's why I, same as you, by the sounds, we really loved those trips where yeah, snowboarding's fine. It's all well and good. But those are the experiences that kind of make those trips a bit more memorable and, you know, feel a bit more worthwhile in some yeah. way. Yeah. So how was the riding? Um, riding was good. I was just thinking about one spot, for instance, quite similar to your experience, experience with the handrail. Um, one guy came out and local that we befriended with uh, and he said like hey you want to check out my roof like actually it's roof like right. so 
that was the best part of the, about the riding. We just rode in the city and used this kind of like terrain. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, great. That's actually really good. Yeah. You had a really good eye for it. Yeah. And so we, we built that jump onto his roof and down on in behind and then in a nice little landing. Yeah. So you got to be creative with it as well. Yeah. Right? I think that's what we did. I mean, yeah. also for the, for the story we wanted to tell, we really wanted to connect it to the place and not just look for, oh, a great I don't know, powder yeah. face. That let's, really wasn't let's the go point. Let's go build a jump. Like, yeah. yeah. And and therefore, I stuck mostly to the town. Amazing. And that was fun. Like, yeah. I, I went back into like a little bit of street riding. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If you can call that at all. Yeah. But, yeah. Like, around houses and stuff. But, but a correct, like to find the riding to suit the environment and, yeah. and, and the story. Yeah. yeah. Which will presumably give it another, another dimension as well. Yeah. So are you working with the same production people that you used for Contradiction? Uh, no, no. Um, Curate, uh, they were helping with contradiction a bit like on the, I guess, logistic side of yep. just dealing with the money and, you know, making a contract and, and this kind of stuff. It really like gave the, the framework, which was nice. Um, I also tried to really downscale it a bit for this project and take the experiences that I've made from contradiction and, and work in a tight little crew and yeah that was the aim yeah that was a long project right like yeah two two three years maybe uh it was yeah close to two years yeah yeah that was a long project so how how, how do you feel now when you look back because obviously it's been out a few months and yeah yeah are you, are you proud of it are you stoked yeah I'm, I'm really stoked and it's actually nice now you know the winter has just ended and contradiction went so long that we only released the film in january we did the whole premiere tour throughout january um and released it online in february and that was when i was in albania already so we jumped right into the next project and then you know from there i just basically been snowboarding and and doing a lot of other things and so now it's nice to like calm down a bit and digest it and look back like you said onto contradiction as well and, and i'm really happy about the whole thing yeah yeah so had you been it sounds like you, you had been thinking about it for a while and that you'd been discussing the themes of contradiction with friends like giggy and arta for for a long time yeah. you know so where did it come from when did you start thinking about snowboarding in those terms well i guess i was questioning what i was doing always really but it just became louder and louder right <laughs> until i couldn't ignore it and try to find a more say honest approach to it I'm not saying that it's like i was so conflicted that i just didn't see value but i thought that i saw so much value that i could never you know let it go at all anyways but i wanted to find a say a bit more honest approach towards it and um yeah, that that's like I said, has been a grow process where it just become more and more important. What so when you say honest, that's kind of an interesting term to use. Like, in, in can you explain that a little bit? What you mean by that? Hmm. Well, I think what we do with, you know, snowboard filmmaking, we're always creating worlds, like little bubbles, so to say, of a virtual reality. You know, it's not. I mean, it's obvious film, that's what it's about to create a certain world. And that's that's also beautiful to like take people with you and take them to like amazing places, say be it Japan or other places and, you know, show the beauty of snowboarding. And that's amazing. But it also is very, say, contrived, 
could, like know. fake in a way. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, in a way, without being too reductive about it, it's, it's marketing, isn't it? You know, it is marketing after yeah. all too. Yeah, yeah. That, that is the reality of it too. And, and is one-sided maybe. Yeah. You know, it's not like, I want to say this is the wrong side. It totally is and uh, is, is a legit and, and perfect portrayal of snowboarding and the beauty of it. And I think it got a lot of uh, us into it in the first place. You well, know, yeah, such I mean, films. It, 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 it conveys, they convey a message about a very attractive appealing message yeah about what what these cultures and sports are about yeah. right that's that's what they do yeah and yeah. you know even my experience as somebody that's worked in media and putting together you know like you know the trip that i mentioned for lebanon let's just say that you know, it's a magazine trip and ultimately you're wandering around and you, you're not just going riding you know you, you you try to find shots you know obviously we know what it's like and it's contrived as well it's it's fake it's it's like a you, you try to tell a story about what about a type of snowboarding aren't you mm. and there are degrees of truthfulness to that aren't there really yeah i mean be fake sounds like it's not true yeah. i think it has its Fakes total a, legitimacy fake's a bit harsh maybe yeah <laughs> because it, but it is one one side of the, it you know and yeah. i think an honest approach is more that i'm not saying the other thing is not honest but like it may just be lacking a bit of other perspectives onto it well, it's very one-dimensional one-dimensional maybe that's a good way to yeah. describe it and i think um you know you were asking me like how did i come to the the concept of contradiction and stuff and i think as a um child you know you grow up or as a young person you grow up and get into snowboarding and that's all you want to do and that's that's really what we built the, the film around as well. Like a certain one dimensional love for what you do is so beautiful. And I don't want to take anything away from it or call it fake or anything. It's well, it, if I can just say one thing as well, like you wouldn't have a career if you didn't have that single minded focus that that, that gives you totally. as well, because that's that you don't get where you are unless you have that absolute single minded dedication and focus to snowboarding. Right. Yeah. So that's another kind of layer to it isn't it as well like totally. it's it's necessary isn't it if you're going to try and, and that's something that you and Giggy talk about in the film isn't it basically this idea that you've worked hard he says something like I work I work my ass off but it's a job I've always kind of thought of it as a job you know it's that thing isn't it as mm. well it's yeah. another interesting layer to it yeah yeah totally and it is so beautiful also to really immerse into something and really yeah. identify with it and that's amazing um the thing is, though, when you grow up and you just, it just gets maybe more dimensional, like layered and maybe contradictory in some ways, where yeah. it just isn't just that. It may be that and that, you know, and they may not fit together. And I think that is what I mean with honest. It's just to, to like show a bit more. And one, one way to describe it is to like the most honest love letter that I could know other way the most beautiful love letter that i could write would also be the most honest one yeah but it, because it would be the most credible one yeah and the one with the most weight and i think that is the idea behind the film as well to paint yet another like perfect picture i don't think is really like well it's not authentic it. Yeah. is it which is another is it another interesting thing because at one point that narrative that we're talking about was original wasn't it like you know this but the longer it 
the longer the sports progress and the more that same story is told and the more that one message is conveyed, they become less and less authentic and less and less honest, if you like. It just and becomes something that is repeated for... Yeah. Just to, re to, to repeat it because it's a certain standardized, um, you know, concept. And I think it totally was 100% original. Yeah. And it is just nice to also see a few fresh perspectives yeah. which there are out there as well like you know it's just like i guess it's just nice to have both you know some really action focused films uh, that celebrate you know the progression and beauty and, and some that take on a little bit more on the narrative side and i think it's nice to have a mix of both yeah like you said there's room there's room for it all isn't there so do you think do you admire any of the work that's going on right now do you think anybody else is looking at it in this way yeah um well we, you were just mentioning david yeah benedict um david's always had a super original eye on this right yeah, yeah yeah i'm probably gonna catch up with him this weekend but like from your podcast i love that um episode that you talked with him about i, I thought that was really great obviously that's not a film but he had been involved in really like making something new and reinventing it in some ways um and i love that he I guess he went away from like the seriousness and progressive focus onto like a more fun approach with his films and 91 words for snow was also like one of like an amazing yeah, film super groundbreaking yeah the, um, and the older it gets the more groundbreaking it looks really yeah yeah so that just to like one person that comes to mind right away but yeah. like to 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 say someone right now uh christian Haller yeah. with his films yeah he's, yeah he's a very good friend and I'm so blown away by his films. Um, Again, a unique eye yeah. on it and, and an unusual, very individual, very honest perspective, right? Yeah. You know, only he's going to make those films, yeah. which is which is great. I mean, that's what it should be, right? Yeah. And he also shows that there doesn't need to be any, you know, talking. Like I maybe feel more comfortable with this approach of uh, of narrative storytelling and, and that's that's okay but like he does it without even any word yeah. being said very impressionistic yeah and manages to convey the feeling in a way that isn't like super pretentious or oh it's accessible yeah. it's fucking difficult to do yeah yeah and very sincere like yeah. all those of his new film glue oh no soft the glue was the one before soft you know if i think of the um moon segment where he he's riding in the moonshine and yeah it just has such a power it's just yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful image yeah. which just moves you in some ways i really like jerome tannon's film as well oh yeah yeah i thought that was brilliant because it that was very much about this side to professional snowboarding that we were just talking about you know the kind of the routine the i thought that was so well done because it was funny as yeah. well and both i mean he he eternal beauty of snowboarding did you see his new film sabadas yeah sabadas is brilliant yeah. oh my god so good yeah i really uh respect yeah that work really yeah good. so do you feel that with these you know this questioning that you've been doing if you like did did contradiction help kind of put those give you some closure on those feelings yeah do you, yeah do you feel kind of like you have the right perspective now yeah um, I think it just helped to be more content with what you do. I think that's, you know, um, for me, it was about that, that 
I wasn't gonna like draw yet another perfect story of like how different it should be done. I think that's just as, I don't know, questionable. It should be to find a, say, honest approach of what you do, what you love, and to, yeah, then try and act accordingly, knowing that you won't find the exact perfect, you know, way of doing it, you know, like, there will be contradictions, but I think it's much better to live with them in an, in a, say, outspoken way, and to really stick to your values, and try to, like, live accordingly, as time passes, you, you know, change things, and, and that has been a really important step and change for me. How was your response to the film? Was it, was it generally positive? Because there, there is definitely a strand of in action sports where people don't really like the idea of over-intellectualizing this stuff and, you know, kind of, there can be very much like, oh, it's just snowboarding, like, you know, what, whatever. We're all really privileged and, you know, yeah, yeah. we're overthinking it. Did you get any of that kind of reaction to it? Yeah, uh, that's actually surprising. Not really uh, much at all. Like, I couldn't think of any voice, but there is a good point to it. You know, we are really privileged and, you know, to like over intellectualizing it and stuff. I think it's a really thin line that you're walking on if you're yeah. trying to like say more than, you know, the actual sport. And still it is such a great platform to do that. Yeah. And I think we, especially looking onto like bigger pictures or like um, big topics, you want to look through it on an as small window as possible, yeah. I think. To really get a grasp of it and not like yeah, again like german saying like not to lift too heavily yeah sure. you know it's easy to do that with snowboarding if you're opening up too many topics and you're going to talk about like i don't know <laughs> a philosophical topic you want to bring in you know definitely that's easy to like lift of, too heavy definitely been guilty of that in the past a couple of old white lines readers probably <laughs> when I think back to some of my articles, but I completely understand your but point. I think it is yeah. still such an amazing platform to do that. We have such a community that is really open to to um, look into some new perspectives and, and do it on the ground of snowboarding. And I think it offers such an amazing, say, framework, yeah. foundation and like to you tell say, stories. You've got the platform as well. So yeah. you can you can explore these in, a, in an interesting way yeah and, and i think i think the fact you're so conscious of the line as well you know the, the fact that you're aware that there's there's a pretty fine line yeah and, if, and it could you could stray too far one way you yeah, know, yeah then you definitely could be open for criticism but i think yeah i think if you're aware of that that's a good you know good place to be isn't it basically yeah. so what about away from snowboarding because obviously what we're talking about here is you growing up as a rider since you were a kid and having a career and having these opportunities and you said it was there from almost the start that it was something you were conscious of that there was big basically a wider world out there like have you been exploring this in ways away from snowboarding as well yeah um actually i always wanted to study and it wasn't possible right from the start because you know i got out of school and i really focused on snowboarding and that was great but that was an urge that was also getting like more and more that I really wanted to study in the summers. And so yeah. I, I studied psychology or, you know, for a few semesters at least. And, and that was, yeah, nice to be someone else as well. You know, I was the student yeah. and I had these other topics and friends and, and that was great. And apart from say this, Oh, the thing that I was doing in a real institution, I always was just interested in other topics and try to like 
yeah be with other people that that did things other than snowboarding yeah um keep, and keep curious yeah yeah and and also in snowboarding i mean Atia, marco those guys that are in the in the film as well they they're so interested in so many ways and i think that was also like we just shared these interests and and could talk about a lot more than snowboarding and for me my best friends just came through snowboarding and then yeah. we grew up together now marco is doing his phd in in, in astrophysics <laughs> really different and and yeah so i don't know i tried not to like find the other world like away from snowboarding but through snowboarding there was just a lot as well to explore yeah and have you given much thought to to any of the projects then after because it, it sounds like you're quite in the middle of this latest project but have you got more ideas for on, the future yeah things to explore yeah yeah i think i'd like to continue in this um path really like to use snowboarding as a framework, as a platform to tell stories and yeah, show snow snowboarding in its beautiful way and, and you know, um, use that really uh, for, for filmmaking and learn a lot in that field as well. And that's really what I get excited about now for the future. Yeah. I, I love the thought of like just having the chance to learn in, in the field of filmmaking myself and, and discover something new really. When when you're thinking about snowboarding in in this way, and you know you've had to, you've dedicated your life to it in the way that you have. Do you have to try and protect what it was that attracted you to snowboarding in the first place, like so you don't become too kind of cynical or or jaded about it? Is that something you have to work quite hard at? Mm. Yeah, I think it's important to like get back to these points often like really give yourself space for it at the beginning of our conversation i was telling you about like how sometimes i just can't keep in you know keep being here inside and i just need to go out and, and ride a few runs and those days are so important that are not where i don't have an objective of reaching any sort of like i don't know shot or you know producing content or, or whatever and it's nice to like connect to like oh just nice to play around with your board and I think that is super important and if you lose it a bit if you work i don't know if you're trying to achieve too much and it becomes a, say an own dynamic where it becomes only i don't know performance based or whatever. yeah and that and that can erode it i guess i think so yeah. yeah i think that can take a lot away from the own like the pleasure that you'd have did you have to learn that did, as you got older or were you always quite good at kind of protecting it yeah um i think i <laughs> Maybe that helped. I can't really snowboard so well if I'm not really not feeling it. Really? Yeah. Okay. I think I could really, I'm snowboarding the best if I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. And if I'm feeling really like present in that. If I come to a point where I really like more force it and feel more disconnected, I can't even write well. Right. <laughs> I don't think right. so. I have to take a step back. Yeah. Just I guess for that reason already. I guess everybody can kind of recognize that a little bit yeah. as well probably not to your level but you know you have those days where basically it's all it's all working for you and it all feels like what you should be doing right yeah. i uh, mean and again if that is the case even if you land your trick what you want to portray is pleasure right you want to portray the beauty and pleasure of snowboarding and if you don't feel it yourself you it's hard to act yeah exactly and it'll come across it's yeah. almost like that paradoxical thing that we were talking about earlier like p 
people can see it. They can, yeah. They can read it, can't they? Totally. Yeah. That's why it's so nice to watch Iggy or Nicholas or yeah. a few people that you're like, oh, wow, this is actually, this looks like fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I think that's really a crucial aspect of what we do. And I, therefore, I think throughout the whole career, it's always important to like maintain that connection in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. So what what will you do in the summer? Obviously, we're at like start of June. So it's, do you do you ride the summer as well, or do you look forward to this kind of time off? Yeah, I don't think I'll snowboard really. You're not going to go to New Zealand, or no, <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, although it's funny, you know, we were we're really close to glaciers here. That some of them are for almost a little while <laughs> year, year round open for a little while longer. Yeah. Um. No, but I'm happy to also like really groove into summer now and my head around other things and it's so nice i'm yeah. really enjoying that now yeah. nice well i really enjoyed that man thank you so yeah. much and thanks for letting me see this this amazing view it's been great yeah. thanks man thanks for having me so there you go that was my conversation with elias and i hope you enjoyed it after we stopped the take we ended up going out for lunch and as is often the way I think I said this after last week's episode with Steve Douglas, actually, we ended up having another chat that could quite comfortably have made up another episode of the podcast. And the whole thing actually got me thinking about how I would change things about the way that I do this as we move into the big uh, three figures. Now, please humor me because I might explore this thought a little here. I mean, you know, feel free to turn it off and get on with your life, obviously. But if you are one of these diehards, oops, that was me kicking the dog bowl over. Sorry, Peg. Um, that listens all the way through to the end, then stick with it. I mean, it's kind of linked to two other perennially popular topics that crop up every now and again. The length of the podcast and whether I should film the fucking things. And I guess, really, it's also about the environment in which I record the episodes generally. I mean, I travel light, I've got a Zoom recorder and I've got two SM58s, basically. And I usually do it on the fly in a one or a two hour window. Now, that's got its pros and cons. I mean, it means I can be flexible as I was able to be in Innsbruck. When I recorded another episode and we did it in the park, watching the river go by, which was really nice. I mean, there's a lot to be said for that. But there's also a lot to be said for having, I don't know, a studio set up where guests come to you, you hang out with them all day, you record a nice leisurely three-hour three hour episode and you film the whole thing for YouTube too. As I've said before, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? Unfortunately, the reality is that's not really where I am right now. I mean, this was something that particularly did Owen's head in while we were in the States. That's the dog drinking water, if you can hear that noise. Get in there, Peg. Yeah, we're in the States and I'd absolutely jam-packed the schedule so we could get as many episodes done as possible. And we'd be driving to a new interview and, and Owen would be like, how long have we got with this one? And I'd be like, ah, oh, like two hours. And he'd be like, right, so I've got to get shots and you've got to bang out an interview in two hours. It's not enough time. We should be spending the day with them. We should be surfing with them, hanging out, having lunch, doing pictures, doing the interview. It'd be well better. I mean, he's obviously right, Owen, as he usually is, but that just isn't the scenario here. So to bring it back to Elias, like I said, that's kind of what happened here. You know, we did the interview, it was great, but then we went off and did more stuff. We ended up chatting about loads of interesting things that if I did have the above set up, would probably have led to a nice two-hour filmed episode rather than a one-hour episode. You right, Peg? And the other thing is, I'm fitting all this in around my real job and doing pretty much everything myself. And this was brought home to me recently when I was having a pint with a mate of mine who makes TV shows. And he was like, 
So just so I understand, right, so you book the guests, you produce each episode, you write the scripts, you do the research, you organize the third parties, and then you present it, and then you do the interview. And I was like, well, yeah. And he was like, well, in the real world, you know that on TV, for example, interviews get absolutely everything done for them, and then they basically get handed research crib sheets and a script to get their heads around. Their job is to literally turn up, do the interview, and establish a connection with the subject to make sure that interview is really good. And I was a bit like, oh, oh yeah, didn't, you know, I guess I've not really thought of that. But my point is, this is the reality of the thing, which of course does lend it a certain character and charm of its own. But it also means that there are built-in limitations, one of which can be that they're not that long as people would like them to be. I mean, of course I'd like to do what Owen says and get all rich roll on the thing, you know, move to Malibu into a mansion, have a studio, people make the pilgrimage to come and look in sideways. All right, I'll settle for Portslade, which is where I live. But it's going to take a little while for that to happen. So in the meantime, this is what we've got. We've got me interviewing people with my little handheld recorder. You know, I'm intrigued to see where it's all going to lead. I must say, because it's obviously leading somewhere. But yeah, it's in, it's not perfect. That's what I'm saying. And um, I guess... I am going to segue actually into, you know, the usual, if you like it, share it because I mean, it is important, you know, it's about building an audience and like the more people listen to this, the more clout I've got. And, you know, perhaps one day that shed in the garden with the studio in and Ed Templeton knocking down my door might be a reality. I'm only saying that because he's turned down the chance for me to interview him about five times now. But anyway. Well, that turned into a bit of a rant, didn't it? What can I say? I've had a few weeks off from doing the podcast. And it turns out in the meantime, I've had quite a lot to get off my chest. I mean, I was going to talk about live podcast updates and a few other interesting developments that have come in, but I think I'll leave that for a future episode. Um, In the meantime, thanks for listening. Usual please, really, you know, share it. Say hello on Instagram at WeLookSideways. Email me at podcast at WeAreLookingSideways.com. Or have a look at the website www.wearelookingsideways.com and maybe even buy some merch. All right, nice one. I'll see you next time. (laughs) 